It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then there were eight. That's right, just eight teams are left in the hunt. Eight teams with a shout of lifting the Lombardi Trophy at Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada next month. We had a simply scintillating Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. Drama, excitement, tension, and some disappointment along the way as well. It all kicked off with rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans taking down the number one ranked overall offense of the Cleveland Browns to dispatch them out of playoff contention on Saturday night. Up in Kansas City, the Chiefs took care of business on a frigid night in Arrowhead Stadium against the Miami Dolphins before on Sunday we saw arguably the shocking result of the weekend as Green Bay Packers, led by quarterback Jordan Love, showed no fear. They snapped a 16-game winning streak on home soil that belonged to the Dallas Cowboys. They sent them tumbling out of the postseason as they progressed to face the 49ers this Saturday. In the game of the weekend, Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions prevailed over the LA Rams before on on Monday evening, the Buffalo Bills took care of business against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what about Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers squeaking into the playoffs on the final day of the regular season? They more than handled their own business against the Philadelphia Eagles to set them packing and cause a crisis and a debate in Philly as to how they go about their uh, business in the offseason. That doesn't matter to the Bucks nor the other seven teams as we turn the page and look ahead to this weekend, the divisional round of matchups in the NFL playoffs. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Well, hello. Welcome along to the show. This is Graves on Gridiron. I am your host, Richard Graves. We've moved on to the divisional round in the NFL's postseason. And that, of course, means that the number one seeded teams from the NFC and AFC enter the fray this weekend. From the NFC, that's the San Francisco 49ers. From the AFC, it is, of course, the Baltimore Ravens, eager to avoid the fates that befell them four years ago, which was the last time they found themselves in this position before being upset at home by the Tennessee Titans. Back in October, of course, they played in London when they took care of those very same Titans at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. A lot Across that week, I got to catch up with Baltimore broadcaster Bobby Trossett. We said at the time that we would definitely make a point of catching up on this show to preview the Ravens at some point later in the season. So what better time to do it than the point where they enter the fray en route, they hope, to an appearance in Super Bowl 58. We'll look ahead to all four matchups. Here's my chat with Baltimore sports broadcaster Bobby Trissette. 
Well, Bobby, it's great to, to have you on the show. Before we started recording, uh, I know you pointed out we've been trying to make this happen for, for a few weeks. It's finally here, and it couldn't be on a bigger week. Obviously, the divisional round of the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens had the luxury, by virtue of being the number one seeded team in the AFC, of putting your feet up over the weekend and watching the drama unfold over the rest of the NFL in wildcard weekend. Before we, we focus on the Ravens, what was that like for you? And what's your take on on some of the, the games that we saw? I guess standing out will be particularly the, the Packers doing a job in Dallas on, on the Cowboys. And then on Monday night, obviously, the Bucks who crept into the playoffs, seeing off the Philadelphia Eagles as well. Yeah, Oof, boy, super wild card weekend really didn't, and as far as I'm concerned, didn't live up to what my expectations were, you know. I thought the Rams-Lions game had great entertainment, uh, of course, for Detroit to finally get the monkey off its back and great revenge, if you will, for Jared Goff, even though Stafford has the chip. We'll see if the Lions have something to say about that over the next month or so. But yeah, it, it was a little bit surprising. Didn't have as much uh, closely contested ball games as I was hoping, but but hey, you know, hopefully divisional round weekend will have more. And and honestly, from from a Baltimore perspective, being that, you know, we we do our, you know, Ravens daily coverage, we were kind of just closely looking at the four potential teams throughout the weekend that the Ravens could face this upcoming, you know. And so that was what? That was Pittsburgh, that was Houston, that was Miami, and there was one other team out there. So it ends up being uh, Houston. And so C.J. Stroud and the rookie sensation that he is, along with, I mean, what, they got the coach of the year in D'Amico, right? And they got the offensive rookie of the year, you would think, in C.J. playing fearless. And so I've been cautioning my audience that, hey, I get it. The Ravens dominated from start to finish for the most part this year. They have a two-time MVP, soon-to-be two-time MVP quarterback. They've got, you know, a, a bona fide top two, top one, top three, depending on what metrics you're looking at, defense. They've got playmaking ability all throughout the offense and a pretty dang good special teams that actually won them a game this year, if you can remember, against the Rams. But, but at the same time, I've been cautioning the audience and saying, listen, when you have a team that comes in with absolutely nothing to lose, and they're playing as fearless as D'Amico's group is, anything goes. And so I, I would not be surprised. I'm not certainly not predicting a Houston win, but it's going to be a whole lot closer, if you ask me, than it was week one where the Ravens took care of business and they weren't even playing close to perfect or complete football. 25-9 to nine was the final, and they knocked around CJ. That's going to be a key component, making sure that he is uncomfortable from the jump, and I think they have the skill set and the personnel to do it. Well, I was going to bring up that week one matchup. Obviously, C.J. Stroud's first professional game in the NFL came out on the wrong end of the scoreline from his perspective on that occasion. But he seems to have grown so much so quickly during the course of the regular season. And that really culminated in what we saw over Super Wildcard Weekend when the league's number one ranked overall defense comes into town, a team that's got a veteran quarterback that knocked them off in that stadium just several weeks earlier. Yeah. And yet CJ Stroud, far from being a rabbit in the headlights, seemed to rise and shine on the occasion. Oh, I, I'm really, really impressed by what he's done. Imagine, just crazy, you go back to the draft, right? And it was like, all right, is it going to be Bryce or CJ that goes number one? And look, all due respect to Bryce Young, I hope the best is still to come for him. But the bottom line is sometimes it, it's, it's not about who you are. It's about where you go. And man, structurally between those two organizations, Carolina and Houston, it's night and day. And it's been a night and day rookie experience for those for those guys respectively. So, yeah, I, I think that he is just – he's so fearless. 
He's a playmaker, whether or not he's a film junkie is what I've learned this week, just doing some deep dives into him from his teammates and and what he's been all about since coming out of Ohio State. But uh, the the Ravens got to him five times I'm seeing here from the box score in week one. And and they really kind of had him out of his out of his comfort zone. Now, he still made some throws that I remember were just like. Man, this dude seems like he's been in the, in, the, in the NFL for many, many years. So he's got a great pocket presence around about him. But, Richard, this outside linebacker group and this Ravens defensive line flies around. They are tough at the point of attack, and they get home. And that's something that they have not done consistently, consistently Excuse me, over the years. I think you have to credit, obviously, um, bringing in uh, Jadavian Clowney, who's sipping from the Fountain of Youth. Kyle Van Noy has been impactful. Justin Matabike is having a career year in a contract year. We're suspecting that he's going to have a big payday, potentially a franchise tag coming in March. Adafe Owe has been disruptive from a pressure standpoint. And I think John Harbaugh deserves some credit. He's not going to get coach of the year, but the way that he handled um, some of his hires this offseason, particularly a non-traditional one in uh, Chuck Smith, who's their outside linebackers mm-hmm. coach, who's very – very well known for sort of his pass rush specialist abilities, very involved with the uh, Von Miller pass rush summit on an annual basis. And just somebody that is really respected in that industry from a pass rush standpoint, I think he's come in and, and really honed in on and demanded uh, a technique. And that technique has allowed them to lead the league in three different categories. Now I think, you know, you can't give him credit for all three categories, but they led the league and it's a triple crown, Richard, for the first time ever, start to finish, sacks, takeaways and points allowed. And look, the sacks category is one you got to hone in on because mm-hmm. since T Sizzle left, since CJ Mosley left, right? Since all these big time names that got to the quarterback left, uh, the, the Ravens were just looking for somebody that that could be that guy. They don't have one guy. They have an arsenal of guys, and I think that's going to be a, a major, major factor coming up on Saturday. Yeah, and I want to focus a bit more about this defense uh, as well, Bobby, because you say leads the league in sacks, ranked sixth overall during the regular season, uh, f- number one when it comes to to defending uh, – sorry, number six overall, number six against the pass, which obviously C.J. Stroud has excelled at with the Houston Texans, number one in points allowed critical, just over 16 points a game. And when the Ravens were over here uh, back in October and played uh, at Wembley, I had a chance to catch up with a safety, Kyle Hamilton, who's another player that seems to have become a leader on this defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. He had himself a game that that one, didn't he? Ejected. That was pretty wild uh, against the Tennessee (laughs) Titans. But uh, and who would have thought the Titans season would have gone the way that it would have? Wow. For them to part ways or you know dismiss or however you want to call it Mike Vrabel um, that was pretty shocking and I thought he was going to mm. be right up to New England but they had a plan in place clearly it's an internal succession plan and now Mike Vrabel I'm sure won't be on the street for very long but uh, Kyle Hamilton has emerged as uh, simply put one of the game's top safeties you could probably make arguments that that he is the top safety I'm not quite there yet on him but who cares you know a year two for the sophomore, uh, first-time Pro Bowl honoree, first-time All-Pro honoree, and this guy just does so much for for Mike McDonald, the second-year defensive coordinator, who, by the way, is up to six interview requests for head coaching spots around the league. So we're certainly expecting and bracing ourselves here in Baltimore for this staff to not be intact 
next year the way that it is right now. And that's no surprise, right? When you lead the league, when you're the number one seed, you know, when, when you're the Super Bowl favorite, that's just how it goes. Ask Philadelphia about that. <laughs> and they're, now they're one and done in the playoffs. Hard to believe that that staff is going to be intact. You wonder if Sirianni's job is on the hot seat. That's just how crazy this news cycle is. You get the Super Bowl one year, and then you have such a disappointing year the next that you could potentially be gone. Wild. But um, really impressed with how Kyle's handled himself. He's been banged up throughout parts of this year, but yet – the guy just he does whatever's asked of him. He plays nickel. You can he can play free safety. The guy's up at the line of scrimmage, impacting um, you know the quarterback's vision. His father played professional basketball overseas in Greece, so he's got that kind of like. And he played basketball, Kyle himself, so he's got that rangy ability. He's great against the run. Uh, and you're looking at a dude who I think a lot of people feel like in Baltimore he could be that next generational defensive player, which through not even two full seasons yet, being that we're in the postseason of year two for him. Wow, uh, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it absolutely is. It And we're, what, we're nearly 10 minutes into the show, and I haven't even mentioned the name of Lamar Jackson yet, who, for me, certainly is the NFL's MVP <laughs> elector. And on this offensive side of the ball as well, there's been some astute acquisitions made over the past year. OBJ, obviously, given a veteran presence, but they've drafted well as well. Zay Flowers has been outstanding in his rookie season. Um, if if Baltimore Ravens are to win this game, which unit has to have the bigger game for you? Is it the defense, which we've just spoken about at length, or does Lamar Jackson and this receiving core come to prominence? Oh, boy. Well, just on based on what we've seen in the past, I'd say, you know, I go back to even last year, the fact that Mark Andrews, a tight end, was forced to line up on the outside, mm-hmm. meaning they had that little playmaking ability at wide receiver that a tight end is lining up outside in a wild card playoff round against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like that's just not going to cut it. And I think when, when you look at some of their, their past postseason failure, it hasn't been sure you, you can look at defensively, especially four years ago against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Like they got, they essentially Tennessee came in and out bullied the bully that year. And the Ravens had no answer for Derrick Henry. So you can look at that. But what I choose to look at more recently is their lack of consistent playmaking offensively, being able to put up points in a do-or-die postseason game. So to me, it's it's Lamar Jack- it's, it's not Lamar Jackson himself. You know what you're going to get out of him, at least you have in the regular season through six seasons. I, re- I recognize that one and three record. I recognize that he has not been himself in the postseason. But he's also had to wear his Superman cape at all times. Finally, we've seen what that looks like this year, that he can delegate, that he can actually, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm going to facilitate. I'm going to be the point guard. And then, hey, if I need to pull it or I need to do what I do to make, to make me a soon-to-be two-time MVP, then, yeah, I'll do it. And I always have that in my bag. But I've been most impressed with how he has been willing and able to spread the burden this season. My hope and my expectation is that that continues into the divisional round. And for that, uh, it would be his group that has the bigger, I would say, pressure on them. Or, <laughs> you know, I kind of put this out to my Twitter audience earlier in the week, who, which, which NFL player going into the playoffs has the most amount of pressure on them outside of Lamar. 
And most people are like, no, there's nobody outside Lamar. I was like, yeah, I would agree. And then Dak and the Cowboys go do what they do. And everybody's <laughs> like, no, it's going to be Prescott. And, you know, as America's team, I guess, I guess that would suffice. This is Graves on Gridiron with your divisional round preview. We'll have more in just a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Graves on Gridiron. I am Richard Graves as we continue our look ahead now to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs with this week's guest, Baltimore sports broadcaster, Bobby Trossett. Well, well, on Lamar Jackson as well... We've referred to that Titans game played in London. One thing that rang out to me in the days leading up to it was Mike Vrabel going on the record and saying he felt Lamar Jackson had matured as an NFL quarterback. His decision-making was better. He was a calmer presence in the pocket. And you'll have had this, no doubt, from your listeners, certainly from Ravens fans that, that I'm aware of. The one frustration with Lamar over the years has been he can make those game-changing, game-winning plays. Every so often, though, when it comes to the passing game, he'll just throw one errant pass in there. Is that something that is still in his locker, or do you think he's managed to eradicate that from his game now? Yeah, I haven't seen that as much. I mean, he's just been so fundamentally sound this year. You know, there's no doubt that he, he tried to do too much at times. And honestly... Gosh, God bless him, because a lot of times doing too much worked out pretty dang well. You look at his regular season record as a starter in this league, and it's like, wow, nobody has has won that amount of games at that kind of rate since Tom Brady ever in mm-hmm. the NFL. And so he wins over 70% of his starts. And so you hate to like, you know, even more so than that, I think that knock, if you will. I think the knock on him here locally in Baltimore over the years has been the leadership. And I'm not saying that that there hasn't been leadership. It's just a different one than what this the Ravens fan base is used to. Loud, boisterous, vocal. I'm talking about Ray Lewis. I'm talking about Ed Reed. Right? I'm talking about some of the greats that have come through here. Lamar does it his way. That said, and to Coach Vrabel's point from earlier on in the season, we saw a major uptick, a major change in demeanor. Almost a Mamba-like mentality, if you will, channeling the late, great Kobe Bryant. 
there's been visual evidence of that, whether it's through Ravens Productions releasing video from the sidelines of Lamar getting after guys, right? Or that's the way that he handles his press conferences in just a locked-in mode. I can remember after they locked up the AFC, he had a post-game interview with Evan Washburn of CBS, Mm -hmm. and it was the coldest, most, you know, straight-up, like, ice-cold kind of post-game interview after dominating the Dolphins that you could possibly have. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's bigger fish to fry for this guy. And he is. He is a better leader at this point in his career. Jimmy Smith told me last week at our pregame tailgate show, Jimmy Smith, former cornerback for the Ravens, won a Super Bowl for them, with them, I should say, back in uh, in the 2012-2013 season. Jimmy told me four years ago the difference with Lamar was that his leadership was young. You enter a franchise with so many dynamic leaders, past and present, so much talent, so much uh, expectation, and there's a standard that it's hard for a second-year player in 2019 in Lamar's case, which really was his rookie year, if you will, as a, full, as a full-time starter taking over for Joe the year prior. Um, it's hard to, to kind of be that guy, whether it's vocal, whether it's just in a meeting room, whatever that might be. And so I think just you're seeing the, the natural progression of an NFL player who now is a two-time MVP, who now has pretty much every single accolade, soon to be two-time MVP. He's got every single accolade but the one he's chasing. And Richard, I've seen just this narrow, singular focus that's been uh, contagious, that started from him. It's trickled down all throughout the locker room. And um, that's that's ultimately what I think the knock has been, if there has been one. Mm. No doubt that you're getting at one that, you know, from a complacency standpoint, on the, uh, maybe early on there was um, a ball security issue going into that Tennessee game. But I'm here to tell you, he he shored that up, and it has not even been a, a remote talking point these last couple months. Yeah, a lot of water's flown under the bridge in the four years since that divisional upset. Um, how high is confidence right now going into this game? And to be honest, you're only three wins away from lifting the Lombardi Trophy. You're not telling me the folks there in Baltimore aren't thinking about it. <laughs> no kidding. I think it's it's as as confident as what Vegas tends to do right now. I'm just seeing on my Twitter right here, the Ravens are favored by nine points over the Texans. Yep. So Vegas likes them. They liked them week one. I think it was nine and a half, if I'm not mistaken, in week one, Texans-Ravens. But they are as confident, if not more confident, than they were four years ago. And I think why I say they, this, this group could be more confident is that they feel as if, and I don't want to put words in people's mouth, I still think there's no doubt a portion of this fan base that's thinking to themselves, holy hell, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to get the monkey off their back with – the rust versus rest debate because bottom line is it's been over two weeks, you know, since they've played a football game come, come Saturday and they've tried their best uh, from a routine standpoint. John Harbaugh has, has kept this group, you know, I'd say as, as sound as possible trying to prepare for this. They went down to the stadium this past weekend for a stadium practice. They've boosted and beefed up the practice schedule last week during the bye. So they've tried to keep that sense of normalcy, but as you and I both know, it's just like we talk about every single year in the preseason. You know, keeping a sense of normalcy is one thing. Game action and game flow and game speed is a, is another. And so I just wonder if if that comes back to bite them early on. I'm not saying that I'm I'm again, I'm not concerned about about an upset, but I'm certainly not going into this with almost like a delusional confidence that I think a portion of this fan base has, which hey, 
every diehard fan base has that. I get that, you know, and I, I respect that. I didn't grow up in Baltimore, so I don't have that. You know, I, maybe maybe growing up as a kid for the New York Giants, but right now I'm looking at this, you know, about as even keeled as you possibly can because I know how how much of a threat Houston is, and I'm old enough to remember what happened four years ago. Yeah, for sure. And you won't be the only one in Baltimore. I guarantee that. Okay. Um, the, I noticed the line for total points in this game is 44 and a half points. Um, are you in agree- agreement with me that we're going to see a high scoring game here? I think it's probably more than that. Oh, man. Predictions in the postseason. I always say this in the regular <laughs> season, you know, throw it out the window. In the postseason, oh, my. Who, who had Green Bay doing what they did, right? Like, that was an incredible team win right there. And what a disaster for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, same thing for Philly. I mean, I, I wouldn't have suspected that a team, like you said, narrowly gotten into the postseason race, mm-hmm. won their division at, what, 9-8 and eight or something like that did Tampa Bay. So, you know, I just – it's so hard to predict if I were to go a certain way. Yeah, I, I think the way that these two offenses go, I do probably want to look at the weather before I say one way or another. But if weather's okay, which it's certainly not right now, we've got snow in Baltimore, which could impact the game. If, if again, we're, we're doing this on Tuesday before a Saturday game, so I'm not. Well, the, not the good news is crazy. that I have looked at the forecast, and you if you want to believe them, because they're not that trustworthy, I've got to say over uh-huh. here in the UK, especially when you're five days out, it's going to be freezing cold, but it's set fair. So hopefully that'll lead to to a good game. Okay, so you, so what so what's it looking like? Uh cl- clear skies, sunny, but Baltically cold. <laughs> okay. All right. So football weather in a sense then. Yeah. Uh, not exactly Western New York, what, what they had to endure this past weekend. That was pretty wild. Kansas City was cold too. I'll take the over. Uh, right now I'll take the over and you watch. It's going to be a defensive masterclass. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> and just finally on this game, straight up win or lose. Uh, I, I love what CJ Stroud and Amico Ryans and co have done there in Houston. Uh, and it's great that they, they won in the fashion they did last week. I cannot see them going to Baltimore and causing the upset here. So I'm taking the Ravens. I am as well. Uh, haven't thought about a score yet, but since we're going over, you know, uh, the Ravens, look, they, they put up 30 points in their sleep. So I think they're going to be right around there. I think I do think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. I'll go like 30 to 24 Ravens over, over, the, over the Texans, and then they'll go on to face the winner of what? Uh, Buffalo, Kansas City. Should be an absolute blast these next few weeks. And the four quarterbacks that are left, who had that on their docket? Of course, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, maybe, if you're a betting man. But C.J. Stroud being that that fourth and final as a rookie, man, what a, what a future is bright for sure in Houston. For sure. And that, that matchup kicks off uh, Divisional Weekend on Saturday. The evening game on Saturday, uh, two storied franchises. The Packers go to the 49ers. Like the Ravens, obviously, San Francisco had the luxury of sitting back and watching everybody else do battle um, a week ago. They also rested players for, for the final week of, uh, of uh, the regular season. Now, given what we saw from Green Bay in Dallas last weekend, if you're San Francisco, if you're a fan of the 49ers, does that cause a little bit of a fear because Jordan Love and that team, the youngest average age of any roster in the NFL, showed no fear going into Texas. Absolutely zero fear. I thought it was just a masterclass by Matt LaFleur and company that it really was like a true, pure team win. And he's just happy for a guy that, like Aaron had to do, waiting in the wings for Brett. Like he waited his turn. Can you imagine how excruciatingly frustrating that must have been? waiting for Aaron to finish and all the drama and just how that played out. And then in your first full season as a starter, 
you, you get your first playoff win against a team that nobody had you beating. I think that's sensational. That said, I do think it. I do think it ends this weekend, and I do think that San Francisco will be coming out of the NFC. They're just so ridiculously balanced, you know, on all three phases. So well coached. Brock is going to be Brock, right? Sure, the Ravens made him look like he is not an MVP candidate, but pretty much, and, and they had their hiccups this year for sure. But I just don't see them. There's there's such a uh, a margin for error with that team, you know. And I feel the same way about the Ravens. Like the Ravens' defense allowed has allowed for the Ravens' offense to have a certain margin for error this year, really. And and with a new offensive coordinator, you know, working with Lamar for the first time, I think that 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 allowed them to buy time in a lot of ways. So would not be surprised if we're seeing a rematch of that Christmas night matchup that we all, well, at least the first half was good. Then the Ravens just started to pull away <laughs> in the second half. And you're all, we're all thinking to ourselves like, damn, really? Like they're doing this to the 49ers. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was perhaps the most remarkable game I saw over the course of the season because everybody was building up to it. And yet the Ravens under the lights in front of a national audience turned it on. And suddenly you sat back and thought, what if you were, in my case, you thought, wow, um, th- this team against perhaps their nearest rival um, in the NFL from what we've seen this season has just blown them away. Um, just to call the, the Packers-Niners game, I would say the one statistic that stands out to me is obviously Aaron Jones has had four successive games now with 100-plus rushing yards. Um, he seems to be showing form, but Christian McCaffrey is arguably the best back in the league. And you look at the, the run defense for the Green Bay Packers, 28th at stopping the run this season. That's just not going to get it done against San Francisco. No, no, gosh, no. I just, phew, man, the fact that they got multiple candidates for MVP on the same roster, I think does take away from, from, from Christian's candidacy or Brock's. That was kind of the talking point going into Christmas week. Like, you know, how, how can you have multiple candidates on the same roster and think yeah. that one of them, you know, like takes over for Lamar's candidacy? Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But it speaks to how balanced <laughs> they are and why I think they're going to ultimately represent the NFC. Do we think it'll be a blowout on Saturday night? I hope not. I hope there's no blowouts this weekend. You know, I really do. I, I love great, closely contested, entertaining football. And that's why this weekend just didn't do it for me. You know, I thought the Rams and Lions game, like I said, was was sensational. I mean, the, the storyline going into that and how much of a drought it had been for Detroit. And and Dan Campbell has, has waited and waited and waited and yep. took over for – I mean, look, look where he took this team in such a short amount of time, right? Like three years has been remarkable. And then, of course, the Goff versus Stafford debate. And then what the hell? What is Detroit doing? Booing <laughs> Matthew Stafford? Are we serious? I'm telling you. Fans I always are like going to be fans. It, it, fans are going to be fans. And it, you, you always hate to like, as Steve Kerr said the other night in the NBA in Chicago, you hate to like group an entire fan base yeah. in what was really just a percentage of them, right? probably an intoxicated percentage that's having a good old time at a stadium. We've all been there, but it's like, damn, Matthew Stafford is just by all intents and purposes, a great dude. Yes. He came up short in terms of what you wanted. And that was a super bowl in your town, but you're going to boom. I just, it's just like, that doesn't make sense. Maybe because I'm, I'm more of a broadcaster like you are. We sort of look at things in a different lens, but I have always been stunned with the booing culture. I really have. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, 
and yeah, sometimes you you can't can't explain it. I think this is one of those those occasions for sure. Um, I suspect that should the 49ers get on top early in this one, the Packers fans might be booing because they do not have a good playoff record against San Francisco. They are 0-4 in playoff games since 2013. And I fear this is going to be 0-5 for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. San Francisco are averaging over, uh, well, near as makes no difference, 29 points a game this season. I hit, think they hit that mark in this one there. Um, heavy favourites, 10-point favourites going into it. I think Green Bay probably had their their time last week. I'm taking the 49ers here. All right, I will do the same because I just think that, uh, like I said, I think there's a, there's a chance we might be looking at that Christmas night matchup. So in order to get that, I think, hey, Green Bay, awesome story. You know, they're, 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 they got their franchise quarterback, but I think that ends this week and, and San Francisco marches on. This is Graves on Gridiron with your divisional round preview. We'll have more in just a moment. This is Graves on Gridiron. I am Richard Graves as we continue our look ahead now to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs with this week's guest, Baltimore sports broadcaster, Bobby Trossett. Which takes us on to the two games on Sunday and it kicks off with Baker Mayfield and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. It's been 32 years since the Lions hosted a playoff game and no sooner do they do it once, like London buses, two come in a hurry. They've got another one this week. Uh, And these are two incredible stories for me uh, for very differing reasons. We all saw the Lions on hard knocks. You heard about Dan Campbell bite the kneecaps, um, do whatever you like. And he's turned that franchise around. But this was meant to be a rebuilding year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They came into it with $80 million dead cap money, the most of any franchise in the NFL. They take on Baker Mayfield, who had to fight for his job in the offseason. And yet here they are with a playoff win under their belts and themselves just three wins away from potentially lifting another Lombardi. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think that happens. I don't think they get past uh, Detroit this weekend, but it's a remarkable story nonetheless. No question. And I really have an affinity for Baker Mayfield. What a, what a story, what, how, what resilience. And you think about Carolina writing him off. I mean, everybody was writing him off after his stint in Carolina. And what a terrible situation to go to. Mm. That's why I feel for Bryce Young. It's not a great situation whatsoever. And if, if you ask me, it starts at the top with ownership anyway he has been he the guy's got moxie that's what he has he's got moxie with a capital m i don't know if that's enough to get it done with (laughs) it's funny to talk about detroit as a dominant team because i saw them get decimated in baltimore like and decimate is probably not even the right word they got steamrolled in baltimore that said that home field advantage out there given what what has become of the Detroit Lions and how much of a drought they've been through and how well-coached they are and how they have such an even-keeled, composed quarterback in Jared Goff, I think they find a way to get it done. This is I hope this is a closely contested game like I've been kind of desiring for, but I just think that you know the, the Bucks are absolutely playing above expectations. Uh, I think Detroit's got more to play for, though, and, and perhaps there's quite a few people in that neck of the woods that think they're a team of destiny. <laughs> well, m- maybe so, and it's easy to understand why. But about midway through the season, I saw an interview with the Buccaneers general manager, Jason Licks, and he said, look, it's very simple, our game plan this year. We've told Baker to 
to make plays if they're there, but essentially do not turn the ball over. Look after it. We believe we've got a good defense and that'll be enough to win us enough games. And essentially, as basic as that formula is, it's something they've stuck to and it's got them this far. The problem is when you play somebody like Detroit, scoreboard pressure comes into the game. You know, they can score points and score them quickly. If that happens early on on Sunday night, that game plan for the Bucks go, goes out of the window. Uh, and it's hard to see a scenario where that doesn't happen, especially when you look at the way they started against the Rams last Sunday in Detroit. Yeah, no, I would totally agree. And uh, I just think that the way that uh, Dan Campbell's got those boys fired up and and the way that Jared Goff is playing fundamentally sound football, not turning the football over, you know, just I, I think that ultimately is going to come pay dividends for them this weekend. Vegas has the Lions as five and a half point favorites. Do you agree with it? Five and a half for Detroit, huh? Yep. Do I see them covering? Not sure I'd be toying with that one this weekend, the betting world, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I, I will tell you this. In the eight defeats the Buccaneers have had this year, six of them have been by six points or more. So when they do lose and they're taken out of that game plan, they tend to lose fairly heavily. I think that is a scenario that, that can very conceivably happen on Sunday. <laughs> or that's the exact exhibit A for why you go the opposite because no, yeah. it ain't going to happen in the postseason. <laughs> but but I appreciate your analytics. <laughs> uh, but we both have the lines, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, and that takes us on to the final game of the weekend, the one that if everything goes according to plan for the Ravens on Saturday night, you'll all be glued to um, on Sunday evening. It's the Chiefs against the Bills who've locked horns uh, pretty much every turn over the last three or four years. And in the postseason, it's been a tale of sorrow for, for the Buffalo Bills to the extent they even changed the overtime rules in, in the postseason, uh, given what happened to, to Josh Allen and the Bills a couple of years back at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, I've got to be honest with you, back in early December, I, I really worried about the Chiefs and did it right to the end of the regular season because they their offense just hasn't been able to get going this season. Surprisingly for me, it's been the defensive side of the ball that's perhaps been the strongest unit in Kansas City. And yet, come playoff time last weekend, admittedly, it was the Dolphins who aren't used to this weather, but Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs handled their business and handled it well. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is going to be a heck of a matchup. I mean, we, we know that these two, barring, you know, uh, good, I mean, hopefully for good health for years to come, are going to be meeting up in the divisional round and the championship weekend for years and years and years to come. I think this is Buffalo's year, not necessarily to get to the big one, but the home field advantage is key here. And for the first mm -hmm. time in his young career, which has been a successful one, as we all know. Patrick Mahomes has to go chase that Lombardi outside of Arrowhead. I don't know how big of a deal that is because we've never seen it. What I do know is Buffalo is incredibly hard to beat at home. They've been playing playoff football for literally over a month, what feels like two months, and it's been a tumultuous season for them. They've had in-season staff changes. They've had drama alike. But I do think that they've found something. And they're one of your classic wild card teams right now, Richard, that because they've been playing this kind of football for so long, that to me is almost a recipe for success sometimes this time of year. And so I think they're going to find a way to get it done against Kansas City. And they're going to ride the home field advantage as far as they can. And uh, I, I just think about the, the remarkable turnaround. Where'd they go from the 11 to the two seed? 
in in like yep. over a month's time. Well, like from the first weekend of December, they effectively had to win out to make it into the playoffs, <laughs> and now here they are as the two seed. I'm telling you, I mean, you could some some might argue on the other side, like, hey, it's going to come back to bite them eventually, and and who knows, that could happen. To me, I think they're just they have such a momentum build right now, and Kansas City plays outside of Arrowhead, which is going to be a similar environment weather wise to what it well. Well, I guess I don't want to speak too soon for what it might be at Buffalo, being that they had a vortex essentially this past weekend and had to postpone the game. But but I do think that uh, home field advantage uh, favors Buffalo, and I think they find a way to get it done this weekend. Does history play any role in this if you're a member of that Buffalo Bills coaching staff or roster? You think to last year, home field advantage at this stage, they got handled by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, obviously, you look at the the history between these two teams in the postseason, as I mentioned previously, the Chiefs have had their number every time they, they've met. Does that have any bearing going into this game or is this just a new chapter right now? Heck, it better. It better. If I'm that staff, it's up on the bulletin board. You know, I remember when Lamar famously said a couple of years ago that, that Kansas City's their kryptonite and going into like a primetime matchup, I think it was we're going back to – I guess it was the 2021 season when he flipped into the end zone and landed on his uh, behind. Yeah, I think that was 2021. Anyway, it was a primetime game. And finally, for the first time in his career, they beat the Chiefs. And and after it was like this big sigh of relief. So, yeah, sure. I think even though staff changes happen every year and personnel changes, of course, happen every single year, like that has to be a thing. It may not be the central thing that's being discussed. But if I'm a, a member of the Bills and I've been here for as long as Josh has, heck yeah, I'm going to use whatever I can to potentially motivate my group. Well, here's the thing. The Bills go into it, according to Vegas, are two and a half point favorites. And when we entered the postseason and the Bills are rolling, I, I was on that bandwagon. And I still am right now because, as you say, they've effectively been playing win or go home football for a month and a half or more. And yet you suddenly see those two names in a, in a matchup, Chiefs, Bills and suddenly it's Mahomes against Allen, and I won't lie to you. Suddenly I'm hesitating and I'm like, "Well, last weekend I looked at the Rams Lions game and said if the Lions win, it'll be possibly by a field goal at the end, and on the line I'll take the the Rams to to cover that at plus two and a half points." I think I'm in the same boat this time. I I think the Bills should win this, but it's Mahomes, it's the Chiefs, um, so I'll take the the Chiefs to cover the the line on this um but i think it's going to be almost who has possession of the ball last wins it yeah i hope so i hope so um there's just this is going to be the game of the week you would think on paper which means that it'll be a different one right just based on how the the, the odds work but but yeah i look part of me wants to be like look you know kansas city chiefs until proven otherwise should be respected should be predicted with not against but it's got to end at some point. And I think what, <laughs> what they've showed you this year is that they are human. Kansas City Chiefs are human. They showed you time and time again this year. We'll see if they end up being that way uh, this upcoming weekend. But I'm, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Not confident about it, but I'm going to go with Buffalo. And that is the beauty of playoff football for sure in the NFL. Um, Bobby, delighted to have you on the show. It's been great um, talking over these matchups this weekend and looking ahead to the divisional round. Uh, before we let you go, uh, for those that aren't necessarily familiar with you, where can they see you? Where can they, they hear your thoughts and opinions? Because I know that every, every week you have current 
players of the Ravens, former players of the Ravens joining you on the show and breaking down all the, the talking points from the Baltimore Ravens. No, I'm glad we were finally able to circle up. You know, we were joking before we came on, like, uh, you know, the UK Ravens party that that, that was hosted at uh, one of the bars in London you know, is where we ended up meeting and, and kind of circling up. And, and then it just, you know, football season grind gets away. And here we are months later, finally getting this done. So I appreciate you having me on. We feel like we're building something special in Baltimore. My co-host is Sarah Ellison. She worked for the organization for over a decade. Uh, I worked with Ravens Radio for about four years and then a year and a half ago pivoted, launched my own media company here in town. And now we do a daily Ravens show. Uh, weekly guests are um, typically like a, a guest from the opposing team, but we also finished up our first ever partnership with Roquan Smith on a semi-weekly basis, Ravens linebacker, which made for awesome conversations all week, um, all year long. And then I have a YouTube channel as well called Bobby Baltimore. So we just, we, we churn out content as much as possible. I'll be out there at uh, the Ravens pregame tailgate party doing a live stream on Saturday from Two, right up until kickoff, there's going to be former Ravens legends there like Jimmy Smith, Ed Dixon, Jermaine Lewis. So, you know, for some of the OG Ravens fans out there, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, apparently to your weather forecast, it's going to be a chilly one. So I'm going to be bundled up. Uh, we're going to be super excited about it. Hopefully get some big guests on this week. But uh, yeah, full time in the digital space. You can find me across all social media platforms at Bobby Baltimore. And uh, again, appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. Uh, it's been a blast. Appreciate the time, Bobby. Best of luck this weekend. And who knows, if things go the Ravens' way, we may well be catching up in Vegas in a few weeks. Can't wait, my man. Appreciate you. So there we go. All four matchups ahead of the divisional round in the playoffs broken down there. I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to that chat as much as I did discussing this weekend's games with Bobby. A reminder that you can find him on YouTube. Uh, Bobby Baltimore, you'll find him on YouTube. He's on X and Instagram as well uh, well known amongst Ravens fans and certainly ahead of key matchups uh, well worth tuning in to find out his thoughts and listen to some of the guests as he told you there um, he has some of the very best guests on his show we will recap uh, what we've taken coming into the divisional round a reminder of course that through the Super Wildcard weekend the show went 4-2 and two in its picks against the line it could have been 5-2 for two if the Kansas City Chiefs had scored one less point than the 26 they did against the Miami Dolphins. But 4-2 and two is a positive start. Let's see if we can go 4-0 and oh over the course of this weekend, starting with the Baltimore Ravens' home game against the Houston Texans. The total points line is the one to look at for that one. Total points over 44.5 points in that game. Before we move to the Bay Area, as the Green Bay Packers take on the San Francisco 49ers, I think the 49ers explode out of the gate uh, and announce themselves in style in the postseason this time around. Take over 30 and a half points in this game for the San Francisco 49ers. Then on Sunday, it's the Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. The Lions, five and a half point favorites. I think this is the end of the road for Baker Mayfield and co. Take the Lions to cover at minus five and a half. Before we finish with the game of the weekend, the Buffalo Bills hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Can they end their winless postseason streak against Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs? We'll find out. The Chiefs' two-and-a-half-point underdogs going into this one. Take the Chiefs to cover at plus 2.5. As I always say at this stage of the show, remember, first and foremost, it's about entertainment, it's about enjoyment, it's about having fun. 
always keep that in mind. And I do love to hear from you guys on social media and talk about events as they're happening in the playoffs as well. So you can hit me up on X at Richard Graves One. Via Instagram, it's at RDG Media UK. The show can be found uh, along with all the interviews we do on YouTube at Richard Graves TV. Equally, if you want to read about uh, the picks this weekend, go to www.rdgmedia.uk. Click on that Talking Sport tab. And there you will see NFL Divisional Round Playoffs. All four games broken down in detail ahead of this weekend. Look, the first weekend of the playoffs was an absolute barn burner. I think we're going to get more of the same in the Divisional Round. I, for one, can't wait. I hope you enjoy it. And remember, same place, same time, right here next week to look ahead to the two championship games on the road to Super Bowl 58. But until then, so long, everybody. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one. Sports Social Podcast Network.